Hello everyone. My name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from uh, Neo Technology, and here I am again recording another episode for our Neo4j Graph Database podcast. And tonight I am joined uh, all the way from the UK by uh, Nat Price. Hi Nat, how are you? Hello. I'm very hey. well, thank you. Very good. Excellent. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, for those of you, those of our listeners that don't know you, do you mind uh, introducing yourself and, and tell a little, a little bit about yourself, what you're doing right now? Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a freelance software developer. Um, I, uh, ha- I sort of work for uh, companies who uh, want, basically sort of want some consulting, helping sort of uh, with teams and agile software development and software engineering and uh, and just uh, actually just sort of developing products so I usually work for companies for sort of like a couple of years at a time working on a on a product and working with the team to sort of like help transfer skills but you've uh, written some some books and stuff as well right Uh, yes Uh, I wrote a book with Steve Freeman called growing object-oriented software uh, driven by test guided by test sorry uh, which is a book about test room development uh, and how it is applied in sort of like the wider sort of software development sort of life cycle and process. I saw that. It was really interesting. Uh, so uh, very cool stuff. So, Nat, how did you get into uh, graphs and, and, and graph databases? Uh, tell us a little, about, little bit about that. You know, uh, I've, re- I've, I've read some of your uh, posts and I've seen some of your talks, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history. Okay. Well, the, the, the first thing that got me interested in uh, graph databases was actually I had a sort of crazy idea for writing my own programming language, which would not have a syntax, but would actually be represented as an abstract binding graph in a graph database and then projected out uh, into different views that you could manipulate. So your editing of your program would be done by graph transformation. So I looked around to see uh, if there was anything that could sort of do that for me so I wouldn't have to write it myself in terms of like storing the graph and found Neo4j. Uh, it looked very easy to get started with. Um, and so I, yeah, so I, you know, that's sort of how I picked it up. Um, and it was very easy to get up and running. This was quite a while ago before the sort of added, before they added Cypher, uh, when it was sort of an embedded Java library, pretty much. Yes. Um, which was exactly what I wanted for my particular sort of project that I was experimenting with. So it was just like really a sort of crazy idea that got me interested in it. And then I realized what a useful tool it is. I mean, it is, uh, graph databases, have, you know, I find them very attractive because um, they've, they've got a very nice sort of good formal sort of theory behind them. Um, and it, and I, I found it very natural to represent my data in terms of property graphs. Wow. Did, did, did that project ever go anywhere, if I can well, ask? Yeah, I got it. I got it. A very, very simplified sort of scheme-like language doing sort of function applications and simple calculations. But, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, it, 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 yeah, I didn't really take it any further than that. Yeah. So so what did you, when, when did you actually ever use Neo in, in, in like more like a project production context? I, I've, I've read some of your work on the, the, the Sky setup box. Uh, is, is that Was that the first time? Yeah, so um, I've not. Re- I, I guess my use cases are maybe a little bit different from uh, a lot of other sort of Neo4j users in that I, I pretty much use it for sort of ad hoc data analysis. Um, so you know, I, in, in that 
sort of use case the fact that it's really easy to install and i can throw data into it very easily and then like do sort of exploration with cypher uh and then get some visualizations up is is for me the sort of like the the, the killer feature of it uh and at, at, at sky we we're working on their set top boxes which are um sort of they're embedded systems so they've got quite uh, a limited amount of of uh, CPU power and, and fixed memory and there's like you know millions of them in the field you can't upgrade the memory so um, we were sort of trying to cram more and more functionality onto the box but you know into a fixed amount of memory so you know the, the sort of memory constraints were becoming more and more of an issue and as we were trying to get to release we were getting some out of memory situations when we needed to track them down and the, the box was running a, a proprietary sort of clean room Java virtual machine that was optimized for sort of use of, you know, efficient use of space on embedded systems rather than performance. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it didn't have a lot of tooling to analyze its behavior. So we basically had, uh, you know, sort of a fixed release date and some memory problems. And we had to build tooling to help ourselves analyze what was going on in the Java virtual machine, yeah. um, which was a proprietary piece of software. So we couldn't look at the source code. We couldn't really understand a lot of its behavior. Um, uh, but we could get heap dumps out of it. So we, we could dump the heap dumps out, but in a non-standard format. But that was very easy to parse. And, and, and heaps, you know, with objects relating to objects, natural representation uh, as a graph. So I immediately thought, oh, right, well, I, I, I know Neo4j. I played around with it. I downloaded the latest version. I uh, parsed the data. Uh, just you know, used a sort of batch insert Java mm -hmm. API and blasted the data into the Neo4j database on developer workstations, so that when we were working with the boxes, we could dump the data out and then like query it with Cipher to sort of understand what was going on inside the memory of these machines as they were running. Super cool. I, I, I've seen the talk and I've I've read the. The, the material that you published on it. I, I think it's a fantastic use case. And actually, there's quite a few people that are doing things like uh, software dependency analysis on on, 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 on Neo4j as well. It's, a, it's an interesting field, I think. Absolutely. I, and I think a lot of uh, aspects of software are naturally modeled as graphs. Yeah. Um, you know, aspects of programming languages, of dependencies, um, you know, uh, cool flow, uh, it, it, graph theory is a really good fit for, for many uh, software sort of like uh, different parts of uh, different aspects of software development and understanding software development, um, understanding, you know, the contents of your version control history and all of this. It naturally falls out into sort of like, you know, uh, graph analytics. Yep. And, and uh, you know, in this project, we were discovering all sorts of uh, unusual things about our own software that we didn't know how it, how it behaved about the JVM uh, that we were using about the Java compiler and how it was behaving. You know, we were we were sort of discovering things that you know we literally only found one page on the internet that was explaining what we were discovering in our heap, um, yeah. and uh, and and you know we got some really good results out of it. We were able to optimize the memory on these boxes and get the release out, yeah. uh, and it was a big success. But also we were able to, because we were working with a, a tool called ProGuard, which is also used for Android. Mm -hmm. um, and we were finding that the sort of the way that Java 5 and above was being compiled into, into Java bytecode uh, was quite wasteful of memory. Uh, and so we uh, like got in touch 
with uh, the guy who writes the ProGuard tool, and Sky funded him to to write new optimizations into the tool to optimize the memory for for these particular cases we were discovering. Uh, and that ended up being like rolled out and uh, in the late late you know then released as open source. So then everyone sort of benefited. So that was a good result. Super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I've also read some of the the more important work that you've done on word puzzles, right? That, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very funny and and interesting as well. You know. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's like it's more. Yeah, that was a sort of experiment with graph modeling, something that doesn't initially look like uh, a graph. But actually, if you can, you know, work out how to model things as a graph. So the the the, the puzzles you're alluding to, I think, are called word ladders. Yeah. Um, they're invented by C.S. Lewis, I think, and there you need to go from like if you, a f- one four-letter word to another four-letter word in a number of steps, where you only change one letter at each step, but you always have to keep to like change it into another real word. So, yeah. uh, and so you know you can model that as a graph, where each step is a link from one word to another and then like solving puzzles is just a matter of finding a path through super, a graph or super step. Cool. Super cool. So, so, so maybe we can uh, talk a little bit more about, you know, the future, uh, Nat, you know, what, what do you think graph databases will look like in the next couple of years and, you know, what will they be used for and, or and that kind of stuff? Well, what, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think thinking about how I use them, I, I know that I can see that there's, uh, you know, a push to have uh, larger uh, clusters and a lot more processing. Uh, but actually, the kind of things that I'm using them for, which is sort of like ad hoc analytics, um, I, you know, what I'd like to see is something that allows me to sort of more fluidly move between exploring the graph with cipher queries and then visualizing it and then sort of visually selecting part of that visualization and then using that as the sort of like starting point for another set of cipher queries to find more data. So the browser in Neo4j is, is you know, is, is great, but uh, you know, limited because it, you know, it, it's just like the sort of sure. the basic sort of access to the database. Um, and I'd love to see much, you know, much more sort of like, uh, yeah, sort of like uh, interactivity and, and sort of like, you know, moving between sort of querying and visualizing and exploring uh, for the kind of things that I do. It, 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 I often like I'm looking at graphs and I don't really know what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I'm exploring around them to try and discover interesting patterns. You know, that's definitely the way we were working at, on the sort of the heat dumps at Sky. It was we didn't know what our problems were. We would try queries, discover things, they uh, use Cypher to sort of like summarize the information and then dig deeper with some more uh, exploration and visualizations. Um, I'd love to see more of that kind of uh, sort of use case provided by tooling around graph databases. Is, is it mostly the visual aspect, you think, or is it is it more that, that you know, interactive capability of iteratively going through the graph uh, or, or both, maybe? <laughs> I think it was a mixture of both. Yeah. Um, there are some excellent visualization tools. Uh, yeah, thinking of Tom Sawyer and things like that are incredible. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Cypher query language. I find it very powerful and very elegant. Uh, and so what I was finding was I'd be doing a little bit of Cypher to find some information. Then I'd explore visually through yeah. the browser. Um, and then I'd find ah, some interesting new starting points that I wanted to then use as starting points for more Cypher's queries. And the, the current browser doesn't really make that easy. So, 
Now, I can see there could be some tooling around that sort of mixture between writing and running queries and exploring interactively and visually. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of activity on that front uh, right now, both in the community and at NEO. There's uh, a lot of work going into uh, making the browser better, but also there's some fantastic tools out there, you know, both commercial and open source that uh, that help you do that, I think. So thank you for that perspective. I appreciate that. Um, so, so Nat, uh, I think we're going to wrap up here. We, we like to keep these uh, podcasts kind of short, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting late here in Belgium as well. I, I need my beauty sleep. So uh, <laughs> thank you for coming online. I, it was a real pleasure talking to you, and uh, I hope to see you at uh, one of the uh, NEO events in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you.